The first reading is from Exodus chapter 8, verses 20 to 30, which is page 65 on the Church Bibles. Then the Lord said to Moses, Get up early in the morning and confront Pharaoh as he goes to the river, and say to him, This is what the Lord says, Let my people go, so that they may worship me. If you do not let my people go, I will send swarms of flies on you and your officials, on your people and into your houses. The houses of the Egyptians will be full of flies, even the ground will be covered with them. But on that day, I will deal differently with the land of Goshen, where my people live. No swarms of flies will be there, so that you will know that I, the Lord, am in this land. I will make a distinction between my people and your people. This sign will occur tomorrow. And the Lord did this. Dense swarms of flies poured into Pharaoh's palace and into the houses of his officials. Throughout Egypt, the land was ruined by the flies. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Go, sacrifice to your God here in the land. But Moses said, That would not be right. The sacrifices we offer the Lord, our God, would be detestable to the Egyptians. And if we offer sacrifices that are detestable in their eyes, will they not stone us? We must take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God as he commands us. Pharaoh said, I will let you go to offer sacrifices to the Lord your God in the wilderness, but you must not go very far. Now pray for me. Moses answered, As soon as I leave you, I will pray to the Lord, and tomorrow the flies will leave Pharaoh and his officials and his people. Only let Pharaoh be sure that he does not act deceitfully again by not letting the people go to offer sacrifices to the Lord. Then Moses left Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. A second reading is from Exodus chapter 10, verses 3 to 29. Exodus 10, verse 3. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said to him, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says. How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go, so they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will bring locusts into your country tomorrow. They will cover the face of the ground, so that it cannot be seen. They will devour what little you have left after the hail, including every tree that is growing in your fields. They will fill your houses and those of all your officials and all the Egyptians, something neither your parents nor your ancestors have ever seen from the day they settled in this land till now. Then Moses turned and left Pharaoh. Pharaoh's officials said to him, How long will this man be a snare to us? Let the people go so that they may worship the Lord their God. Do you not yet realise that Egypt is ruined? Then Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh, 
Go worship the Lord your God, he said, but tell me who will be going. Moses answered, We will go with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters, and with our flocks and herds, because we are to celebrate a festival to the Lord. Pharaoh said, The Lord be with you. If I let you go along with your women and children, clearly you are bent on evil. No, let only the men go and worship the Lord, since that's what you have been asking for. Then Moses and Aaron were driven out of Pharaoh's presence. And the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over Egypt, so that the locusts swarm over the land and devour everything growing in the fields, everything left by the hail. So Moses stretched out his staff over Egypt, and the Lord made an east wind blow across the land all that day and all that night. By morning the wind had brought the locusts. They invaded all Egypt and settled down in every area of the country in great numbers. Never before had there been such a plague of locusts, nor will there ever be again. They covered all the ground until it was black. They devoured all that was left after the hail, everything growing in the fields and the fruit on the trees. Nothing green remained on tree or plant in all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh quickly summoned Moses and Aaron and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now forgive my sin once more and pray to the Lord your God to take this deadly plague away from me. Moses then left Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord. And the Lord changed the wind to a very strong west wind, which caught up the locusts and carried them into the Red Sea. Not a locust was left anywhere in Egypt, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not let the Israelites go. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hands toward the sky so that darkness spreads over Egypt, darkness that can be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand towards the sky, and total darkness covered all Egypt for three days. No one could see anyone else or move about for three days. Yet all the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and said, Go, worship the Lord. Even your women and children may go with you. Only leave your flocks and herds behind. But Moses said, You must allow us to have sacrifices and burnt offerings to present to the Lord our God. Our livestock too must go with us. Not a hoof is to be left behind. We have to use some of them in worshipping the Lord our God. And until we get there, we will not know what we are to use to worship the Lord. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he was not willing to let them go. Pharaoh said to Moses, Get out of my sight. Make sure you do not appear before me again. The day you see my face, you will die.
Just as you say, Moses replied, I will never appear before you again. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray before I start. Heavenly Father, we ask for your words to be spoken and heard. We ask that your words would be responded to and that we would leave no challenge unaccepted. So be with us now, Lord, as we learn together. Amen. So we've arrived in week five of this series, which is named The Journey into Freedom. And if you have missed any of them, they're available to listen to on the website. So you can download them onto your device and listen to them. Or you can just re-listen to them if you haven't missed them. But just to remind you, Bishop John kicked us off with a look at the children of Israel and trusting in God's promise when there appeared to be no hope. And then we focused on Moses, the child Moses, the call of Moses. And two weeks ago, we looked at the complaints of Moses. And today, we're going to take a slightly different focus. And we're going to look at the compromises of Pharaoh. And as our text, I will be using both the Exodus readings from chapters 8, 20 to 30, and chapters 10, um, verses 3 to 29. So if you want to keep those open... Now, since Luke spoke to us two weeks ago, we have jumped forward four chapters in the story. So I will quickly fill in the gaps. Luke explained to us how Moses responded when God called him. And we heard of the complaints of Moses as to why he should not go and do God's work. His excuses, if we remember, range from, I'm not good enough, to the blatant, I just don't want to go send someone else. And then the story carries on as Moses goes to Pharaoh with the words that God had given him. Let my people go, so they may hold a festival for me in the desert. That's chapter 5, verse 1. And to be fair to Moses, he was right. Pharaoh said to him exactly as he predicted. He said, who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. That's chapter, verse 2. And Pharaoh, in response, oppressed the Israelites further by making them supply their own straw in order to make the bricks. And so in chapter 7 through to chapter 11, Moses pronounces on behalf of God a series of plagues on the land of Egypt. And there are 10 of them, which you can look up for yourself during the week. And these ten plagues are a demonstration of the power and authority of God over, sorry, the authority and power of God over Pharaoh. The plagues are a physical attack on the land and a spiritual attack on the land. Each plague attacked a particular aspect of the worship of the gods by the Egyptian people. But we know that powerful men do not give up their power without a fight. And Pharaoh is resistant. He is hard of heart, and through these plagues, the resistance of Pharaoh is gradually 
um, ground down. Bit by bit, his resistance falls away, and he compromises. He tries to limit the place of worship. He tries to limit the participation in worship. He tries to limit the people who worship. And lastly, he tries to listen, limit the panorama of worship. Before we continue, can I change the angle on this? Sorry. Not that one. I need a flasher. Oh, that's it. Thank you. So let us look at how Pharaoh tries to limit the place of worship. In chapter 8, verse 25, that's the first compromise. It says, Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Go and sacrifice to your God here in the land. Okay, have it your way, but only on my terms. Go, but stay. Yes, but I want to be in control. Pharaoh offers a compromise, but it's no compromise at all. The Israelites are God's people. God calls them my people. But Pharaoh treats them like his own. He enslaves them. He decrees who will live and who will die. And now he is saying where they can and cannot, cannot worship. God wants his people to be free so that they are completely free to serve and worship him. God wants his people to be free so they can worship only him. Pharaoh tries to limit where the Israelites can worship. He says they can worship within the land of Egypt. And Moses refuses on the grounds that it would not be right, verse 26, that it would be detestable to the Egyptians to see them sacrificing animals which the Egyptians consider sacred. Now we know that the Egyptians had been praying all the time, had been praying to God all the time they were in Egypt, because we know this because God hears their prayer back in chapter 3, verse 7. But now God calls them out to worship in a different place, in a different way. He wants something different from his people no longer to worship in the secret of their homes, but to go out publicly and worship in a new place. Do we limit our place of worship? Perhaps we omit to say grace when we have non-Christian friends to dinner in case we might offend them. Perhaps we will only worship here at this time, never in another place or at a different time. Maybe we will miss worship on Christmas morning because Aunt Maud likes her dinner on the table at one o'clock. Maybe our kids compromise us in their demands for swimming or football on a Sunday morning, or we just fancy a lie-in, or we say, oh, it's the only time I have to catch up with my friends or shopping so we don't turn up for worship. Pharaoh's compromise was to limit where and how the Israelites would worship. But God accepts no compromise. And Moses pushed on for the real thing. That would not be right, he says in verse 26. And that is what we say every time we gather together and pray for open and free worship around the world. 
We pray for our Christian brothers and sisters in countries where worship has to be hidden. And that is why we are developing a world mission focus which covers the whole world because it expresses the fact that you can't limit the worship of God to one time, one place, and one culture. And we watched Cami when we went to Romania in August as she walked that narrow line between compromise and worship. She was a worshipping Christian in an orthodox community. It's God's world, and God is to be worshipped in all of it. You can't limit the place of worship. God is to be worshipped where God calls his people to worship. God wants right, uncompromised worship. The second compromise of Pharaoh we find in verse 27. Moses pushes for a three-day journey into the desert in order to worship. And then Moses, sorry, in Pharaoh, in verse 28, tries to limit their participation in worship. He says, I will let you go to offer sacrifices to the Lord your God in the desert, but you must not go very far. Don't go too far. Don't go the whole hog. Don't put your heart and soul into it. Stay close so I know what you are doing. When Tim and I were first Christians, a family member said to us, I don't mind you going to church, but just don't go overboard and get all religious on me. And then when Tim was ordained, this person said, well, I suppose now that it's your job, it's all right for you to go to church every Sunday. It's respectable after all. Okay, but not too far, just like Pharaoh said. And I bet this person never realized that they were quoting the Bible at us. She would have been shocked if she had known. Don't go too far with your worship of God. Don't march on Good Friday. You might be seen. Do we leave at 11.45 because we've been here since half ten and enough is enough? When it's the holiday season, do you go to church or not? Because after all, you are on holiday. Mrs. Aisha Bibi, the Christian lady in Pakistan, and her co-workers were out harvesting fruit when a row, a row broke out about a cup of water. Mrs. Bibi's faith told her that all were acceptable and loved by God, so offered a cup of water to her Muslim co-workers. And the Muslim women said that because she had used the cup, they could no longer touch it, as her faith had made it unclean. Her faith included everyone, but the other women's faith limited who was acceptable. On the surface, surely she didn't go too far in her worship. She wasn't singing hymns in public as she picked the fruit. She wasn't preaching to them as she offered them a cup of water. But in her culture, what she did was enough. It was too far. And Pharaoh says, three days? No way. Too far. Pharaoh wanted them to stay close so he could monitor how they were worshipping. 
And then he says a very surprising thing at the, verse, at the end of verse 28. Now pray for me, he says. Now pray for me. Or in other words, I still want to be the focus, to be your focus. I want to, I want to be who you're thinking about when you worship. And again, Moses rightly refuses. To go out into the desert for three days would mean that there are no distractions, no one else to worship but God and God alone. No Pharaoh taking notes, being jealous or sneering. They would be free to worship without restrictions and without judgment from the Egyptians. By, by going out into the desert, they would be able to worship freely and part, participate in the worship fully. And for the first time, perhaps in generations, they would be worshipping in a big group. Up to this, they would be worshipping in secret, in small family groups. But now they were on the brink of being able to worship in mass worship. When we go to events like Spring Harvest and New Wine or whatever we go to, and we worship with new people, people that we've never met before, huge crowds, and we experience the newness and freshness of those gatherings. And faith is built up by experiences such as these. And here in our reading, Moses was adamant that their worship was not going to be limited to small groups anymore. So I encourage us here today not to limit our participation in worship so we have, to what we've always known and always done. Worship, it is so much more because worship is a participation activity and we can go all the way. The limit on people who can worship. The hard heart of Pharaoh is a stubborn thing. By chapter 10, he's resigned to them going three days' journey and worshipping wholeheartedly. And he continues to be ground down by the plagues. He tries to limit the people in worship. So chapter 10, verse 8, he says, Go, worship your God. But just who will be going? And Moses answers, We will go with our young and our old with our sons and our daughters, with our flocks and herds, because we are to celebrate a festival to the Lord. Verse 9. But Pharaoh, who trusts no one, says, If I let you go, along with your women and, chi and children, clearly you are bent on evil. No, let the men go only and worship the Lord, since that's what you've been asking for. Men only. I don't trust you. You won't come back if you go out into the desert. Leave the women and children here, because then I have a hold on you. From Pharaoh's point of view, it seems quite reasonable. After all, in Jewish worship, it's only the men who participate. The women and the children are kept apart at a distance. But Moses declines the offer. Back in verse 2 of our first reading, he says, that you may tell your children and grandchildren how I dealt harshly with the Egyptians and how I performed my signs amongst them, and that you may know 
that I am the Lord. The children are vital to God's plan. The children are still vital to God's plan. Who will carry on the story? Who will tell the stories? The children and the mothers, that's who. The children carry the story into the future. Without them, there is no future because no one will know the stories and testify to God being God. And that is why we invest so much time and energy into our children here on this estate. Steph has started calling prayer meetings specifically to pray for our children and youth. Be at them. If the women don't know the stories, if they do not worship, sorry, witness the worship, what will they teach the children? I am not saying that children's work should be left to the women. I'm going to say that again. I am not saying that children's work should be left alone to the women. Men have a vital part to play. The worship and the story is for everyone for us all to pass down to our children. The men have to be present in worship because children learn by he hearing and seeing. Young boys learn to be men by following men. If our boys do not see their fathers in worship, how will they understand the relevance of worship in their lives? They cannot learn to be men if they have no men to look up to and follow. And sadly, that is why our society is struggling, because the family is no longer together. Children are growing up with half of their story missing. But we are blessed here in Gate Church to have so many fathers and grandfathers in worship. We have to tell the story to our children so that they can tell their children. That is what God wanted and that is why Moses insisted that the women and the children came too. We are blessed here by having so many children willing, so, so many women willing to tell the story. We are mighty blessed by having so many children to tell the story too. But we need to acknowledge that blessing, to cherish that blessing and grow that blessing by telling the story to our children. And yes, it does get messy with children around. Worship gets interrupted. It gets noisy. But that's what God called for. He wanted all his people out in the desert to worship. They needed to be able to see and hear and question. So don't be afraid to bring the children because they understand more than you think. Now, last Sunday... We had a little boy, I'm sure you all saw him, and he ran up and down, and up and down. And then Melvin had to jump up and down because he kept making a beeline for the door. And then he ran up and down, and then he ran around, and it was messy. But later in conversation, Natasha discovered that the mum was Hindu, but as a child, she had been sent to Sunday school and had forgotten how much fun it was. And in conversation, Natasha discovered that this lady lived in Ealing, a place where Natasha once lived. And so Natasha was able to connect with her. 
and recommend some family-friendly churches so she now could bring her son. Our noisy, messy worship was distracting last week, but already fruit may have been born. Only God knows what will happen to that young mom and her little boy. And so we are to welcome all to worship, all stages, all ages of life. Limit worship to no one. And then we move on to verse 24, where Pharaoh tries to limit the panorama of worship. The hard heart of Pharaoh is not broken yet. Finally, he tries to limit the panorama of worship. He summons his Moses and says, Go, worship the Lord. Even your women and children may go with you. Only leave your flocks and your herds behind. Pharaoh tries to exclude things from their worship, to restrict its power by preventing wealth and goods of the Israelites being offered up to God. The broad panorama of worship that everything we have and own can be offered in worship is cut down. Pharaoh wants the worship to be manageable, not costly, and to have no power. But Moses responds in verse 26, our worship, sorry, our livestock too must go with us. Not a hoof is to be left behind. We have to use some of them in worship, the Lord our God. And until we get there, we will not know what we are to use to worship the Lord. Moses wants to bring everything to God. Nothing to be left behind. Why? Because they are not sure what God will ask of them. We come to worship with everything on offer, not holding back, because God decides, not us, what he wants offered up. If God has given us a healthy bank balance, how can we use that to further the mission of the church? If God has given us a strong marriage, how can you use your wisdom and experience to strengthen the marriage of others? If God has converted you to faith, how then can you use that knowledge to share the faith with others? God wants everything on offer, the whole panorama, not just the things we decide to offer. Until we get there, we will not know what we are to use to worship the Lord. God knows what he wants. He won't ask us for what he has not already given us. And if he has given it all to us, which he has, then it is right that we should offer it back to him, holding nothing back in our worship, so that we can know the freedom of his kingdom. And we're discovering that here at the moment in Meadgate Church. We want to remove the limits of worship by owning this building. But as yet, we don't know what it will cost but we are pushing on, offering all that we have in faith and hope. So, does Pharaoh let the people go? 
Yes, but not today. You have to come back another Sunday to hear how Pharaoh does give in finally. You see, Pharaoh is stubborn. And all of us have a stubborn Pharaoh in our hearts that says that we should limit our place of worship, that we should not make it known somewhere else that we should limit our own participation. Don't go too far. That we should limit the people who worship. Just concentrate on those who already know the story. And that we should limit the panorama of our worship. Not too costly. Not too far-reaching. Not too disturbing. Rebuke the Pharaoh in your heart. Make your three-day journey. Offer your hearts and souls and take your place amongst all the people of God and offer him all you have. Say to that Pharaoh, as Moses did, let my people go and then wait and see what God does. Amen.